welcome to The Challenges of Change, the podcast where we explore the transformative journey towards self-improvement and personal growth. I'm your host, Laura, a mindset coach in the health and fitness industry, here to guide you through the hurdles that life throws at you. In each episode, we'll delve into practical strategies and insightful discussions to help you manage stress, regulate your emotions, upgrade your mindset, and ultimately reclaim your sense of worth. I'm thrilled to have you join me on this journey of change, challenges, and self-discovery. Welcome back to another episode of the Challenges of Change. And today is another one of those special episodes because I am so honored and privileged to have one of my clients, Daisy, here to join us and share more about her experience. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here and talk about it. I'm really grateful for your willingness. A, I know that, you know, coaching can be vulnerable and I think it's important for people to understand what to expect and how to kind of navigate like coach versus therapy. Because if a coach isn't right for you, I want you to know that too. Like, it's not just like, Ooh, choose me. It's what's the best path forward for creating the life that you want to create. And that's really what I'm hoping we can kind of educate people on today is, you know, what your experience has been like, why you chose coaching versus therapy and see who we can help in the world. So Let's dive in. Sounds good. What made you want to seek a coach to begin with? Um, So I started coaching with you last August, and I was in a really, really bad spot. I had just left. I, I was in a transitional phase. I shouldn't say I was in a bad spot because I was really getting out of my bad spot, and I had enough awareness to know, like, okay, the therapy that I have done in the past is not necessarily what I think I should go back to right now. Um, And I don't remember how I had first heard about a life coach, but I know I Googled one day, you were the first one I saw and I went no further. I don't know why, like what brought me to it, but I feel like whatever I had seen on your page really showed that like you will get results. Like this is an action program. This is our goal And I was ready to make the switch. I had been in traditional therapy. I'm a psychology major. um, So I have that background. So naturally, I was led towards just doing traditional therapy, especially whenever my first time going to traditional therapy was when I was just starting out in college. I moved to Orlando. I was going to school out there and things started to unravel and I needed help, support. So I went into the therapy there that was offered with my tuition But I knew that this last August, like something significant was going to change. And I had been through things that I had never been through before and that I never thought I would be. And I knew I just needed something different than what I had tried before. That's fair. And, you know, I've been in there. I'm an advocate for therapy and I'm an advocate for supporting your health, be that physical or mental, whatever that looks like. And 
again, I'm not saying coaching is the answer for everybody. I think it really kind of depends on what you're going through and your experience. And I think that's the hard part is like, I've had previous therapy similar to you. And when you become a coach, what they don't tell you is you become your first client. So I thought I was like, okay, I'm going to extend my knowledge base to help other people, which I did, obviously. But you can't learn about this stuff and not apply it to you. And that's when I realized, oh, my God, like I value therapy, but I've gotten so much more out of my coaching as well. And that's my personality. Like I digest things for myself and I'm an action oriented person. So having someone help me reframe and kind of understand my mind better was just a really empowering journey. Whereas when I was going to therapy, it felt validating. It felt safe, but I didn't always, I didn't feel the power with it. And like, to me, that's one of the key distinctions what do you think? Did you, did you notice something similar? I definitely agree with that. So for me with therapy and full transparency, like trying to think back on it now, I'm like, man, I don't really remember. And I'm realizing I was probably dissociated for a good majority of doing my Uh therapy. Um, But I feel like when I would go in there, it was like, just such a great confident, right? Like you could go in there and get everything off of your shoulders. And it was no big deal if, if your therapist didn't open their mouth one time to say anything. And all that they could do is just be there and listen to you. And that's what I feel like I got out of therapy. I feel like I got a really, really good safe space to just get things off of my chest. But I never felt supported with the action items to actually move on and start seeing results and change, you know, my life, my way of thinking, my neural pathways. There's so much I was introduced to in coaching. Like I never heard of my inner child in therapy, not one time. And my inner child, that work I have done with her, that little girl's my best friend now. <laughs> and it's really cool because I was I was so afraid of her whenever you mentioned it. And I think that that's another, like one of just the big differences between therapy and life coaching is therapy is very much like it comes out of like the psychology books and the science books and things. And I always have said I went into psychology because I said I want to understand why people think that the way that they do. Mm. However, I do not have a scientific based brain to have really wrapped my head around the understanding of all of those components from a therapy psychology point of view. Mm. So going into coaching and learning about the things, our everyday engagements that we have, our everyday activities, our inner self talk, our inner self critic, our Mm. inner child, all of these things that. I really, really related to, and I understood that was just never spoken about in therapy. Because I agree. Like it was a, it was a beautiful space to feel heard. And in some people's journeys, that might not, that might be the first necessary step because it's hard to ask for help. It just Mm -hmm. is. It's especially psychological help because of the narrative that is out there in culture. I do feel like it's getting better but there still is that stigma. So it, it's still really hard to seek help. And in some ways, I can see how therapy is a really safe space to just, you're hurt. Nothing's influencing you. You just like how you are is exactly how you need to be. And obviously finding the right coach or finding the right therapist for you is part of that journey. You know, I never really had therapists who gave me action steps. They made me feel seen and they made me feel heard 
and it was helpful to digest the information, but I wanted the change component. Like, okay, that was helpful to understand, but now what do I do about it? Right. And I think that's why coaching resonates with me is because I, I do want to feel seen and heard, but I also don't want to feel stuck in the same situation forever. And that's where I feel like coaching has given me an arsenal and a toolkit of a bunch of different things to really feel more empowered throughout the day. So let's talk about toolkits. Mm-hmm. What do you like, what tools do you feel like you go to that maybe you didn't know beforehand? I would say my number one tool is changing the um, way I'm talking to myself whenever I'm, you know, I can tell that my emotions are escalated or I'm in an activated state. Like, but in order to believe what I'm telling myself, I had to work on the trust component with myself also, right? Because coming into this, I did not have trust in myself at all. So sitting there and telling myself like, Daisy, you're safe. Daisy, you're okay. It was literally one year out the other. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, yeah. cool. Nice Thanks. try. <laughs> yeah. Like it never really stuck. And that was another layer to coaching with this that I, you also pointed out to me, like I'm a transactional person. I had never understood that. I just knew if I wasn't getting results within a very short timeline, I was jumping ship to the next idea that I thought would get me that. (laughs) Oh my God. I remember that version of you so well. It was so funny, but it's true. And so like, you're like so many people in that stance. And, you know, I obviously started in the fitness world and we've talked about that. And what was so hard for me is I get it. Like, the message is if you eat well and if you move your body, you'll lose weight. That's what we hear, right? And so we do it. And then the scale barely moves. And if it's not delivering the result, people just jump off and they're like, nope, I don't want to do this. And it's like, well, that's not really how it works. It's really about the consistency and the longevity. And I think that's an important part of the message that is not there. And I think it's really about rewriting our understanding of the world through our lens. Like one of the things I struggle with is communicating to people what coaching is. Like my answer is like, let me just give you a session because then you'll understand it. So how would you communicate to people what it is? I feel like coaching is the equivalent of just having a very knowledgeable, confident, strong sidekick with you all the time. I really do. Um, It is super empowering. I will say that when I started my coaching sessions with you, I was like very intimidated when I would go into a session, but only, only because I cannot bring anything up that I don't want to see results from, or I don't want to dive in and if I'm asking you a question or I'm bringing something up, I have to be ready to do the work inside. Yeah. And that's, it's super powerful because I, whenever you're getting to start this journey out in coaching and you're like, okay, so this person is telling me, you know, I need to work on my inner child and I can't find her yet, but that's a big part of this work. And I need to work on my self-talk, but my negative connotation comes before the positive. And there's just so much, but your coach is just so empowering and so supportive and is always there to, you know, it's, it's okay. We understand it's, it's hard. This is not going to come overnight. 
And it's, it's a huge thing, you know, therapy, you go see them what once a week or every other week. And aside from that, you have no, no connection to them whatsoever. And I love that with life coaching. Um, you know, I can reach out to you anytime if I'm having a bad day or I see I'm starting to spiral or I'm activated and I can't catch it. You're there for me. And literally within your response. And once I can calm myself down and regulate my emotions, I'm feeling so much better. There And there is so much power with that. I like that. And it's funny because uh, one thing I hear all the time is I heard you in my head. Yeah. My clients always say, like, I heard Laura and she was saying, remember, choose who you want to be. You're in charge. And I'm like, it's like makes me think of like the angel and the devil. And I'm like, okay, yeah. what version am I, though? Am I just like on top of both? Like, I'm <laughs> a version of you. I don't know. But, you know, one thing that I love about coaching, like one of the beliefs they teach you is... I don't have your answers. You have your answers. They're just, you know, buried in the maze of your brain. And my job is to listen intentionally and open the doors for you by getting, by asking you questions to help you navigate that. But within that, it's believing that although you might not feel like your most empowered version, I a million percent know and trust you have all the answers. You are completely capable. It's just a messy journey. So it's very easy to feel confident because who else can have answers about your life but you? Yes, that's very true. And it is so nice to talk to someone who is willing to be vulnerable with you as well. And something that's great about the coaching journey is it is different than the therapy journey. And obviously, if you are working with a life coach, you're working with someone who has done this work that they're teaching you. So they understand how hard it is and, you know, how messy it can be and how back and forth. Like I have said to you so many times, I feel like I'm half in my old brain and half in my new brain. And that is so, so extremely true with coaching. It's like we're bipolar. And I think yeah. I've said to you, like, you're you're on the right track. You're sounding bipolar. This is good. And you're like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, the automatic patterns are there because they've been there for decades. But the new patterns are becoming equal to that because you're getting pulled in either direction, which means that's stronger. But I that is another piece about it that I do like. And I'm I'm grateful you brought it up because it's hard to change and grow when you feel alone. And I'm not saying I ever felt alone when I was in therapy. It was like I felt momentarily supported. Um, and like you said, being able to text my coach for like small nuggets of like, just think of it about it like this, or like she'll just text me a question. I'm like, light bulb, there it goes. Thank you. I just needed that door and I couldn't find it. And we're all gonna have those moments, but I'm a big believer, like if you're being brave enough to be open and honest and share your stuff with me. It doesn't feel fair for me to sit over here and not share, but also we're, we live in a world that loves control and no one knows that better than you. And (laughs) this is about giving up control in a lot of ways and kind of understanding what true control is, right? It's not external, it's internal. But I feel like a lot of the vulnerability that I share in our sessions are, or what I'm trying to get across with them at least is this might be how you experience it. This is how I experience it. I've had clients who've experienced it like this to kind of paint a more realistic journey because, you know, we're such visual learners. Like this is a super corny science thing, but who the hell cares? Like if you ever watch a baby squat, they have the best squat form. 
Mm-hmm. And they literally learn to squat like crap by watching adults squat like crap. Like there's a comedian who goes into a bit about how, you know, you're an old parent when your baby bends over to pick something up and goes, ugh, because they've seen <laughs> you doing it. Yeah. And it's funny because it's true, but that's how visual we are. And it's not just as babies. Like when you're learning how to do the dishes or how to cook a meal, we look at something and we have that kind of idea of what it looks like to be replicated. And with coaching, this is all inside work. So there's not really a visual of what to expect. So I think what I try to do with the stories I share is hammer the point in through a different lens, but also illustrate more of this might be what it looks like so that people can find a little more security on that journey, knowing like, okay, it might be messy, but this is still the win. Like, even though it's going to be uncomfortable, that's still winning, you know? And that's so important. I think as the part of coaching to like, you know, have validation in that because when you're learning all of this stuff, you don't know what you don't know. So all of these feelings feel so strange and you're like, okay, this is a different feeling. And I think it feels good, but is this the right path? And is this how I'm supposed to feel? And then you have the whole like guilt and shame side. If you are changing um, your pathways and your ways of thinking and whatnot. And I think just overall as humans in general, it's much easier to be vulnerable when someone is in that same state with you. And Mm -hmm. Thinking back to therapy, you know, you walk in and I'm really all I can draw on what was ever said to me was like, it's okay to cry. That's okay. Like you can let it out. And it was never like, you know, this happened to me. Like, I don't remember any of my therapists. Like they are a stone wall, I feel like, but they are a trusted person to talk to. Yeah. Um, And in a way, of course, it's like, you don't ever want to think, you know, your therapist is putting their past on you or, you know, sharing too much. So there could be boundaries in that aspect, which I also do um, understand. I just personally, for me, have found it so much easier to be vulnerable with someone that's willing to do it back with me as well. Yeah. And I I, like by no means to anyone listening, are we shitting on therapy? Both of us have done it. It was useful for us at the time. And, you know, it really is about understanding what you need. And I think it's very necessary that therapists have that boundary because then it creates kind of a clearer separation where, you know, if you do connect better with people who are sharing more things with you, maybe coaching is the route for you. Mm -hmm. If you kind of are more nervous about someone unloading their stuff and how you might, you know, feel about that, maybe therapy is the right route. And I think like just creating the distinctions are important, but Truly, like, I'm a huge fan of therapy. It really just boils down to, you know, what you need. And I think that's actually the hardest first step is like, what do you need? What do I need? And I feel like culture kind of says, if you need help with your mental health, go to a therapist. And like, I like you said, you don't even know when you first heard of coaching. What's funny is I didn't know coaching was a job for like six years. And then I listened to a podcast. Like I literally just like Google or I searched on podcasts like mindset and I got a mindset like coach on there and I listened to it and I like, it was so invigorating. And I remember telling a client about it and then she changed her fitness habits, like something we've been working on for like five years. And I was like, the bananas just happened. And I was like, wait, this shit's a thing. Mm-hmm. I have a bigger impact. Hold the phone. 
and I did research and it was like epiphanies. So I don't know. I think it's just really interesting. I'm happy that there are both avenues. I really am. And uh, one of the things Brene Brown talks about, she always says that she's in the arena with us. And it's something I really value about her because it doesn't make me feel alone. She's not saying she has all the answers or she's perfect. Like she's not trying to be, you know, idealized. She's just trying to deliver the data and help us. And Mm -hmm. that's why, even if you think about the recaps that I send you, I use the word we, I don't say you nearly as much. I mean, if it's your pattern, I might, but it's very important to me that people understand we are at, like, we're in the same boat. We might be dealing with different challenges. And I mean, hopefully I'm more evolved because I'm doing this stuff, but it doesn't mean you're alone. And I think sometimes people don't recognize just how impactful that can be. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree with you. Um, I think that, you know, going back to like, there's, there's a way for everyone. I think that when I first started therapy, their traditional therapy and someone listening to me is exactly what I needed because I needed to seek therapy because my family was relying heavily on me and I didn't have anyone to go to, to listen to what I needed at the time. So thinking back on it now, like I genuinely just needed someone to be there and listen to me. Yeah. I, I did. And therapy, starting out therapy and starting to do, you know, work on myself. And even I think the most that I got out of therapy was just like reflections into the past and just, you know, thinking about things. But I wouldn't I would not be here with the mindset about coaching that I have today if it was not for therapy. And I do want to make that so incredibly clear, because like you said, like, I do not think negatively about therapy in any way at all. I just think I have taken the next step and the coaching is just a little bit more supportive because I am ready for those action items and I am ready to start parenting myself and changing my neural pathways. And I find so much support in podcasts. I listen to them actually all day now. I absolutely love them because it is these professional, knowledgeable, very wise people. And you hear their stories and you're like, this is so relatable to me or, oh my gosh, I felt that same way. And it, it really takes you out of that imposter syndrome of like, oh gosh, I'm, I'm awkward. You know, no one else is like this. And it really makes you realize like, no people are, it's just not really spoken about in the everyday world. Oh God. Yeah. I mean, I remember the first time I heard a podcast, I'm like people, random people, like smart people, but like random people talking, like I don't freaking care. And then (laughs) I literally tried to do it to like connect with my husband and voila, here we are on a freaking podcast. How funny is that? Full circle. Uh, So I'm actually very curious this answer. What do you feel like you've learned since we've been coaching? (laughs) I don't, I don't know if there's actually enough time in this (laughs) for that. Um, Highlight reel. Highlight reel. Okay. I'm going to start rambling off as much as I can right now. I would say first and foremost, accept yourself. Like that has to be the basis of this here. Accept yourself no matter what. Mm-hmm. You you are the most consistent thing in your life. You. You show up for you every single day, whether people do or don't. And I have learned truly how to really value myself and make myself a priority that I 
I love and care about too, because I was a people pleaser and that was not where I came from. Mm -hmm. Um, so I would say, accept yourself. I've learned, um, your inner talk is huge. It is huge. Mistakes are actually just, um, things to look back on as to, you know, where we could have done something differently and then grow for the next time. Being uncomfortable is a good thing. I say that very hesitantly, but don't like it. Don't like it. I don't like that fact that I've learned. Um, But it is a good thing. Um, Fear is always there to teach you something. That takeaway, I I've said affirmations. I have this this goal I've set for myself to say affirmations every single day in this month. And one of my affirmations that I say is I choose to let go of fear. And I was thinking back yesterday at the way my voice sounded at the beginning of the month when I started saying these affirmations and how it sounds now over half of the month. And I sound much more confident in things when I'm saying that. And I noticed that if there's something that I'm like, "Mm, I don't really want to face that. I stop and I'm like, but why? Why don't I want to face that? And now that's starting to be my norm. And I love that. I really do. Because it's not it's not fun to be afraid of things that make you uncomfortable. It's not fun to be afraid of things that you've had a bad experience with before, right? And if you can give yourself the opportunity to walk yourself through that situation again and give yourself a new writing for it, mm. it's it's truly a beautiful thing. And I would say the last thing I have learned is that you can write your own story for your life whenever you want to. Literally to the point I have that tattooed on me. So Yeah, <laughs> I love when you got that tattoo. I have Because, I mean, this journey is, it's an adventure. Mm-hmm. There are some good days. There are some great days. And there are some real shitty days. And whether you're in coaching or not, welcome to life. Like, that's just going to happen. And... Mm-hmm. I love these takeaways because I, and I love that you started with acceptance. Cause I know that one was hard. It's hard for everyone. And it was hard for me because I didn't understand it. Like I thought acceptance was approval. I thought acceptance was giving up saying it's okay for this. No. Mm-hmm. And of course, yes, I'm going to read my very favorite quote, which you've heard a million times. <clears throat> <laughs> one of the great paradoxes of the human experience is we can't change ourselves or our circumstances until We accept what exists right now. Acceptance is a prerequisite for change. We don't like what we don't like. We just cease the war within. Once the war is over, change can begin. I love it. We don't like what we don't like. Mm -hmm. I think that's the most important part because it's like, oh, we don't like this, so we can't accept it. Does that make it any less real? No, it's still reality. Yeah, exactly. I love telling people the opposite of acceptance is denial. So you're in denial about the fact that this is your reality right now. And I think that's a really good way to put it because at the end of the day, there's nothing that you're going to be able to do to change what is there in front of you. The best thing to do is work on your mind to make yourself mentally stronger to overcome those challenges whenever you come to them. Yeah, I yeah, a hundred percent. And I think like, and I know I've talked to you about this, Because, you know, you hear a lot of things, especially on social media, like about self-love and love, love feels Mm -hmm. very different than self-love. And 
to me, and I, I think it's different to everyone, but to me, love really, or self-love really does feel like acceptance and belonging. Like there are things I don't like about myself, but they are what they are. They, they're still there. I cannot like them, but that doesn't make them any less real. And I think I found a lot of uh, humility and peace in just being able to accept like my humanity and like yeah. my imperfections are part of the journey, not something to just be ashamed of, but to accept so I can cease the war and allow change to begin. So I love that that's your first takeaway. And the inner talk, it's so funny because we all do this. Like, of, you know, I do a bunch of uh, public speaking things, conferences, lunch and learn summits, et cetera. And one thing consistently, I'll ask the crowd, like, who here speaks harder to themselves than anyone else? And every single hand in the space always goes up. There is never, literally never in three years of doing it, ever been a hand that didn't go up. And it's funny because we're just so willing to be nonchalant and very mindless about how we speak to ourselves. But let's imagine that if we split ourselves into two people and one person, Daisy A, was saying to Daisy B out loud the shit that you're saying in your head or that you were saying, Daisy B would not want to be your friend anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, no wonder we have such a bad relationship with ourselves. We think it's not a big deal, but you wouldn't want to relate to anyone who would speak to you the way that you're speaking to yourself. And I don't think people understand just how impactful it is when you can start to show yourself some compassion because like, I remember how evil my voice used to be too. And man, she was a drill sergeant and she was mouthy and she, she had no problem with insulting me. Let me tell you, she was a bitch, but <laughs> she was. And it's funny because obviously going through this stuff myself, there have been moments where I like try to find it. I'm like, where are you in my head? Yeah. And I, feel, I feel a little crazy for looking for her, but she's not really there. Like mm -hmm. I really have a hard time finding her because it's like she was taking steroids because I wasn't looking within. Mm -hmm. So she needed to be mean to me so I could get some freaking attention. And once I started to like attend to that inner child, it's like the steroids lost their power. And like that soft little girl just was able mm -hmm. to be like, oh, so you're looking at me now. Cool. So we can kind of work through this together and we can be kind. And, you know, not to go backwards, but you know how my brain works anyways. You were talking about the inner child and how, you know, when we first brought it up, you're like, I can't find her. And I'm like, she's probably not ready to be found by you yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I was like, I was like, this has got to be a load of crock. This lady is over here. I'm cooking around. <laughs> little child in my mind. Like, there is no, I can barely talk to myself most days. There's no way. And yeah, I remember. And then one day I just, I think I like cornered myself because I had been so, so sad, like overwhelmingly sad. Mm. I couldn't fight it anymore. I couldn't, I couldn't do anything anymore. Mm. And I remember being like, Daisy, like this is something, something needs to come out. And it was right whenever I was working on like letting myself cry. I have said my entire life, I don't know. I don't cry. I'm just not a crier. That has proven to be very false. I am a crier. I just never gave myself permission to cry. Yeah. 
Um, and so when I sat down in front of the mirror that night, it was the most raw, real life thing I have ever done. And I looked at myself and I started talking to the little girl that I was told was somewhere in there. And it felt really crazy and out of place to be doing it. And before I knew it, I was bawling my eyes out looking in the mirror and I'm still trying to talk and I'm still trying to get through it. And after I was done, like I genuinely did feel such a sense of relief. And I remember like, that was the first thing I told you in our next session was like, I think I found her. Like, I think I did that. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was very overwhelming. It was a lot. And yeah. I second guessed myself, like, is this right? Is, is this what it should be? No one has the right answers. No one is going to be in that situation for you to be able to validate that that's right. If that is your feeling and you feel trusted that that is your inner child coming out and you just met them for the first time, no one's going to tell you that you're wrong. That is your experience of meeting your inner child. Preach. hundred percent. I still like, I remember the first time you told me I got goosebumps on and still when you tell me about that, because I can see it. And I rem- I remember the energy of that session so vividly. And it, it, if you think about what you said, like you avoided, you tried so hard to be that strong, put together person that everyone around you told you you needed to be. And when it got to a point where it was just, you couldn't, you couldn't lie to yourself anymore. You couldn't yeah. do it. And in a way, that's what some people go through is like, they have to feel almost broken or hopeless for that little girl to start emerging because we've beaten them down so much. And I remember, oh my God, do I remember the first time I got my inner child? And I think I told you this too, mm-hmm. we had to do labs in when you get your coaching certifications and they give you a script the first time. So you can kind of, cause no one really knows how to get someone to their inner child without having any work. Right. Yeah. And so we both had read it beforehand. And I remember being like, what the fuck is this shit? Like, this is, what is this? Like, okay, okay. Stuff. <laughs> I'm, I'm science. This is woo. Like, this doesn't make sense. I feel like a fucking hippie. This doesn't make any sense. But we had to do the lab and our partners would grade us for each lab. Mm-hmm. So you want to do well. And I remember so vividly her walking me through it. And I was like, well, I have to experience what this is like to know if I would ever do this with a client. Mm-hmm. So I it kind of, I had to give myself permission to be like, well, let's see. Let's just see what happens. Oh my God, was I shocked. I remember so it's when it was the moment I recognized what my limiting belief was. Mm-hmm. And halfway through it, I just I could not stop falling. It got so bad because like my eyes were closed. I had to like feel around for where the tissue box was because I just needed to blow my nose, but I didn't want to leave it. And it was such a cathartic experience because it it really made me feel like I saw my little self like truly for the first time in the most organic and heartfelt way. And the empathy and the compassion and like, I don't know if I've ever felt a deeper love for myself in that, in that first moment. And it was so extraordinary because no one can give you that type of love the way you can because only you know the pain you've been through. Only you know what you've had to endure and only you know how freaking tough that little girl has had to be every step of the way to get you to where you are. And yeah, she's tough, but she deserves to be seen along that journey, along that battle. And it's just so healing. It really, I was shocked. And what's funny is, you know, I did mine. 
And then we met another time and I did my coaches. And then at the end, I was like, so what did you think? And we were both like jaw, like, like what the hell? Like the jaws just drop. We're like, so this shit works. Huh. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I am science, but this, this is a thing. How did this happen? And I like got really curious about the science, which I won't bore you with, but yeah, it's, uh, it's very rewarding to do the work. You just got to be brave. You really do. And you know, one of the things you said that I think is really smart and wise is like, you know, if you're going to bring something up in coaching, it's going to be talked about. You're not bringing it up unless you want it talked about. So in a way you do need to know when you're ready, when you feel like you have the information, when you feel like you have the capacity to brave, whatever that's going to be. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. I totally agree with that. Um, I think something else I want to add to this too, is like when, when you find your inner child, I think, especially if you, if you struggle with rejection, I cannot stress enough how important it is to really get a clear understanding with your inner child on what rejection is. Mm. How can you continue to let yourself feel rejected if it's things that you yourself don't qualify as rejection? And maybe it is things that the people that, you know, raised you, the people that you're around all the time, maybe it's societal norms, things like that, that tell you this, this is the idea of rejection. And I would make those definitions so incredibly clear at the beginning of your journey, because I think you'll see a lot of that stuff that you classified as rejection is not necessarily what you find as personal rejection. And a lot of that stuff will fall off your plate to aid in your healing as well. Oh, beautifully said. And just defining these things in general, I think is important because it's like we understand what certain words mean, or we understand like this is my loose understanding of it, but without the clarity, it it allows a lot of lingering things to kind of perpetuate in there. And one of the things I like that you said, and I don't know if you said it today or in one of your sessions, but about how certain things in your life was nor- were normalized. And like you, you used to joke, you said it during your session, you used to joke with certain people in your life about certain things. Oh my God, I know the story you were talking about. Oh. <gasps> And now you see it and thank God you see it now because it was the most horrid story you had told me yet. Like just no one should have to endure, but it's funny that it was normalized and we do so much of that in our culture and so many things are normalized for us. Like it's okay to be treated like shit. That's normal. No, no, it's not normal. Right. Right. And it's, it's really crazy how I saw, I don't know if it was, a snippet of a video or a meme or something. And it said something like, like the real work, no maturity comes when you unlearn everything that you were taught before you were able to teach yourself the things that are meaningful to you. Yeah. And that, that hit me. And I, I just sat there and I stewed on those words and I wrote them down like many, many times in my journal, because I think that that is so incredibly important And not taking anything away from the people that raised us, right? Because all of those people did the absolute best that they could do at the time. Yes. However, part of being an adult is choosing what you take with you and what you leave behind. And I am learning now there are so many things that I thought were normal, like exactly that, laughing at that situation that actually like I had a breakthrough was like, 
one of my biggest traumas that I have ever been through and, you know, led down a problem that I had suffered from for a long time. And coaching will just really give you that clarity of like, is it a joke to you or did that really hurt you? And you have fallen victim to the opinions of everyone around you. And you don't think that's funny. Yeah. And it's like, uh, it's almost like hindsight, hindsight boundary setting. Like it wasn't okay, but they told you it was, and they were the authority. So you kind of had to adapt to it. And now when you think about it, like, no, man, that was not okay. Like I, it wasn't okay. Then I wouldn't be okay doing it to someone else. And I think, you know, everyone's parents are going to have their own challenges because they're human too. And I really like that you commented on it because I say it all the time. You like, this isn't about blaming our parents. They did the best they could given where they were. And the world has evolved from even when they were kids and from when we were kids and it's our job to evolve. And it's kind of about finding that peace and through that evolvement, you know, what that relationship wants to be, which I think you really become an adult when you start to face those things. Um, Oh, I agree. So I have two questions left. Okay. What challenges did you expect to face with coaching and which ones did you not expect that you've needed to face? I think the challenges that I expected to face was that I would have to be really honest with myself if I wanted this this work to show me results. Mm-hmm. What I was not expecting was that as you heal, you heal more mm-hmm. and you heal through things that you didn't go into this to heal from, yeah. right? And you, in the beginning of this journey, had told me, like, you know, the more you heal, the more things are released. Like, your brain, once it feels safe, it'll start opening more doors. And that is how I know I'm healing. Because I'm so, and I have goosebumps as I say that, but there are so many doors. Like, that situation that I have always laughed about. And I thought, like, oh, let's think back to that. That was funny, you know? And now I'm like... I will actually never laugh about that again in my life, nor will I be around anyone who thinks that is funny to laugh about. Right. So, yeah, I think learning all of the doors, you have to be ready for them, right? But that's not also to say that, like, you're getting stronger as the process goes on. So these doors that are opening now, I don't, I really, I'm not scared of them. I welcome them and I get really excited because it's another chance for me to know myself at a deeper level. And that has been such an amazing, amazing takeaway from this. It's like, I know who Daisy is. Other people in my life think they know who Daisy is, but I know who Daisy is. Yeah, a hundred percent. I got, I mean, kind of a joke, but when I hear you tell me some of the things I say, man, I sound smart sometimes. <laughs> you do. <laughs> you do. I'm like, yeah, I agree with what I said. When, <laughs> like, that's brilliant. I agree. But one of the things I like about this journey and how our brain kind of protects us is imagine if we started and that traumatic story that we're referencing was the first thing that popped. Mm-hmm. You'd have been done. You'd, you wouldn't have been able to handle it. Like you just were more sensitive at that moment. And you didn't have the capacity. So like in a way, your brain like locks and hides these doors from you for a reason until you've navigated certain things to allow them to open, to truly allow these things to be seen. And as you said, you know, you're getting stronger each step of the journey so that your brain kind of starts to be like, okay, she's, she's almost there. And if you think about it, how many times have I said to you, like, it's going to find you when you're ready? Oh, 
so many times. And it is the truth because I'll be like, I'm doing great. I've been on a really good kick these last couple weeks. And then out of nowhere, something will come up and I'm like, all right, this is the next healing journey we're going right. on. Yeah. <laughs> it made me think that with that very first time when you're like, I've been feeling good. I think I can go to like bi-weekly. And I was like, okay, like, I don't know yet. Like, I forget even if we did or if we didn't. But all I know is the next session, you're like, I can't do bi-weekly. That was a horrible idea. Like this giant thing happened. I'm like, okay, we don't like, we can just let it be what it's going to be. Like, it's fine. But it is funny how the journey goes. So here's my last question for you. For anyone who is listening, who doesn't know if they should get a coach or if that's the right path for them, how would you help them understand whether that is or isn't? I think the best thing to do is have a consultation with somebody because I think it is so important to have a consultation with that person. And I really believe in energy. Um, So I think it's very important to feel the energy of that conversation. Like with you, there were no ifs, ands, or buts if you were going to help me heal in the ways that I needed to. Like I could tell talking to you that I was going to get what I was seeking out of doing coaching with you. So if you are thinking about it and you you don't know, I really suggest taking the leap, doing some research on it, educating yourself about it, listening to podcasts about life coaches. There there are many out there. I listen to them. Um, listening to just self-help podcasts even I think will help resonate. Like if you're if you're curious about this work, if you're really ready to dive in, if coaching is the right thing, are you ready to work on the actions or do you need more of a therapy route where someone is going to listen to you right now? Yeah. I like that. And you know, what do you got to lose by doing some research? What do you got to lose by having a consultation? Like you're not investing, you're experimenting. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I think knowledge is power. Yeah. Maybe, maybe right now isn't the time for the coaching, but maybe, you know, in a couple months, something else happens and you hit your point and you're like, okay, I'm not saying stagnant anymore. I'm ready to take action. And then you have this knowledge and you know, a life coach is what you want. Right. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, I even would encourage like shopping for coaches. Like yeah. I've all, and even when we did ours, I was like, are you sure you don't want to have another consultation? And you were confident in it. So obviously I'm going to trust you. But I'm a big believer, like I love helping people, but I in no way, shape or form think I'm the coach for every single person. It is very much about, and one of the things I love about kind of having my own business and being able to like guide this myself is I have to live with myself at the end of the day and I have a pretty high moral compass and standard. So like, if I don't think I can help you, I'm also going to be the first person to tell you because there's something about when someone comes to you vulnerably, like seeking support, I know how hard that is to do to begin with. And it's not about me. It's about them. And if I'm not the best person, I'm going to be more of service to help support them and guide them to another party than to be like, yeah, I can help you. Could I help people? Probably. But would I be the best one? No, I can't be the best one for everyone. So I really like the idea of kind of shopping for coaches as well to see who you energetically resonate with most. Um, But thank you. Like, thank you for the work we've done. Like, it has been truly such an honor for me to like witness you from like where you started. And it's kind of fun that we can laugh about it now because you are in such a different space. And I'm really grateful that you were 
brave enough and willing enough to, you know, share your story and your experience with everyone. And I really hope that we've been able to help people. So thank you for joining me. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. I hope we get to do more of these in the future. And I hope we helped at least one person who's listening today make a decision. You heard it, guys. You got it. We have to help one person. Maybe it's you. If not, make sure you tune in again next week. Bye. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of The Challenges of Change. If you're ready to stop stressing and reclaim your sense of worth, be sure to visit my website at www.changebychallenge.com. There, you'll find loads of resources, blog posts, and information on how to work with me, Tora, as your personal mindset coach. Remember, if it doesn't challenge you, it won't change you. Don't let burnout or any other obstacle hold you back from living your best life. Take the first steps towards positive transformation today. Thank you again for listening. Stay confident, stay inspired, and embrace the challenges of change. Until next time.